0: Uh, If you guys have a Bible, we're going to be in Genesis 39 tonight. Uh, We're continuing on in our series of the Lord, the Lord, which we've been looking at the attributes of God over the last number of weeks, Um, just exploring Exodus 34. Um, The Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, and and it kind of carries on. And tonight we are focusing on God's abounding steadfast love. So we're going to be in Genesis 39 for that. But before we dive in, I want to tell you about a friend of mine named Mark. Uh, Mark and I, we went to high school together. Uh, we first met each other in ninth grade. Um, you wouldn't know the high school because I grew up in Saskatoon. But um, Mark and I became really good friends. We, we were in the same homeroom together. I don't know if you guys have homeroom. Uh, maybe you do. I don't know. It was a class in which you kind of had this block of students that carried on throughout your whole high school career. So Mark and I got to know each other really well. And because our, our names were next to each other in the alphabet, like last names were next to each other in the alphabet, um, our lockers were next to each other. So we, we spent a lot of time with each other and, and getting to know each other in the ins and outs. Um, as a result, we also sat in the same math, we were in the math, same cl- math class together all throughout kind of high school. He sat behind me, I sat in front. We uh, were kind of nerdy. Uh, we were on the basketball team together all four years and just spent a lot of time in the car and getting to know each other and what made each other tick. And and what we maybe we would call BFFs now, or like best friends forever. Uh, But it has been years since I have seen Mark. Um, Mark, he went on to go move to BC for a short while. He now lives in Utah. And honestly, Mark and I kind of fell out of touch. Um, We we, we chat from time to time, just like messaging. But to be honest, I, I don't really talk to Mark anymore. But I think we maybe all can relate of of having these high expectations for a friendship or a relationship and thinking, this is my BFF. This is my best friend forever. This is my BFFL, maybe, like your best friend for life. Whatever it might be, we we slap these tags onto relationships because there's such high expectations about what they're supposed to fulfill and and how they're supposed to make us feel, so on and so forth. But we all all know the reality is that we live in a broken and sinful world. And so the, the, the real problem is that sometimes we grow distant in relationships, that like time and space, they, they grow, it grows in between us and we just don't see them in, in the same amount of time anymore. Or maybe that, that friendship or that relationship is, is just more circumstantial in nature, in the fact that like, hey, you're in high school together, now you, maybe you go to UFE together, or Trinity Western. Like the reality is some of you may sit next to these people right next to you tonight and you may not be friends in 20 years. Like, that—that that is a sad reality. Like, it, I'm sorry. I, it, hopefully you guys remain friends. But, like, the nature is that we live in a broken world. And, and, like, we're we're fickle people. And things come up and we become shallow. Or we're, like, we're only friends with them because what they can do for us. Or what they're able to fill fulfill in our lives. So obviously, that's a very, like, narrow picture of, of, of bad friendships. But it happens. Like, we have these high grand expectations of our BFFs and, and things happen. And they, they don't come across the same way that we hope and it's with that then that I think sometimes we we map those sorts of feelings and and expectations for a relationship and we map that over onto God and we think God you you are distant sometimes like you you do not feel near to me where are you in in this season of life where you or you feel like God's love is circumstantial only if I do this, only, only if I do these certain things, X, Y, Z, will God love me. Or you, or you think God is, is fickle and he's just not gonna stand the test of time. God, where are you in my deep and dark moments? And so I think with how we approach these human relationships and, and the reality of, of a broken world and, and the broken relationships that we experience is we port that over onto God. And as we work through Genesis 39, I want us to see it's actually the opposite, that God's love endures forever. If you you don't take anything else from tonight, I I pray that this one thing will stick out for you for the rest of your life, is that God's love endures forever, that it will stand the test of time. We're going to look at it in two points this evening. It's going to be his love is loyal and his love is lasting. So if you guys have your Bibles, uh, Genesis 39, we'll start in verse 1 through 6. Uh, this is this is not the first time that we hear about Joseph in the Bible. We first learned about him two chapters previous um, in in chapter thirty seven and we learned that joseph he is a seventeen year old dude. He's basically on his way into young adulthood he's he's not much younger than a lot of you in this room tonight. And he was excited about like what what does life have for me he's he's kind of Maybe some of you, as you exited high school, like, what does life have for me? I'm so excited to pursue college or, or Bible school or just get into the workforce and just kind of figure out and spread my wings. I, I, I can guarantee that's kind of probably how Joseph felt as, he, as a 17-year-old boy. What is, what is life gonna offer him? Um, also, in, in that chapter, we learned that his father has a deep, deep love for Joseph. His, his father is Jacob, the grandson of, of Abraham. So, like, he's the great-great-grandson of, of Abraham. That's, you don't need to know that, but maybe you do. Um, but he, he, has, he has deep, deep love for his son, Joseph, so much so that he, he makes him this sweet coat. Like, it's this technicolored coat, this multicolored coat, and he gives it to Joseph because he's like, you are, my, like, one of my favorite sons. You are my favorite son, essentially. He, uh, he's 11th in line, and he, he gets this really sweet coat from his dad. And he also, he has, these he, he has these dreams that he tells it to his brothers. And, and the reality of the dream is that Joseph is going to become very influential one day. It's kind of how it breaks down. Is that he's going to rule over his family, and they're going to come and bow down to him. And they're like, what the heck? This is not a great dream. This is a nightmare for me. And so they, they get upset. They get frustrated. And his, his brothers, they start to hate him because of these things. Because of the love that his father has shown to Joseph. The fact that he has these like kind of weird visions and dreams. And so they start to plot and, and, and plan, how, how can we kill our brother? How can, how, how can we take him out? Because this is too much for us. This is so annoying to have this guy around. So eventually they, they concoct this plan of which the kid, they're like, we're not going to kill him because that would be too much for our dad to bear. So we're actually just going to sell him off and we're, we're going to make a quick buck off of him. So they sell him for 20 shekels, which is like not a whole lot. And they they sell their brother to the the Ishmaelites, who we we read at the beginning of this passage in 39. And he ends up being sold off to Potiphar as a result. And Potiphar, he is an officer of Pharaoh, who's like the head honcho of Egypt at the time. He's the, the captain of the palace guard, is what Potiphar is. So we have Joseph, who's excited and excited for life and what's to come. And all of a sudden, his life gets turned upside down because of broken relationships and what he's experiencing. So I think that he would be predisposed to having uh, this mindset of, when someone loves me, good things happen. Like, my dad loves me. Here is this beautiful coat and this somewhat of a like, favoritism almost that, he's, that is shown towards him. And when people hate me, they do bad things to me. And we port similar types of things over to God of like, when bad things happen to me, God does not love me. God only loves me when good things take place in my life. So it's, I think it would be easy for, for Joseph to think, God, why are you so distant to me right now? Why why is this happening? Why am I in this situation? I have all of this to look forward to in my life, and now I am sold to this dude in Egypt. I'm in a foreign land. It would be like you guys, getting ready to go somewhere for, to Trinity Western, and as you make your way to the very first day, Someone kidnaps you, or I guess your sibling would sell you off, that's pretty dark, but you get sent off to like Panama, a land that is like so foreign to you, you're going to just do labor for the rest of your life there. A place that you don't know Spanish, that sounds great, right? No, it sounds terrible. But this this is what is before Joseph, which I think we'd be in a very similar predicament of asking God, like, where are you in all of this? But the text, the text is very clear. It says that the Lord was with him. The the Lord was with him. Like he is present with Joseph. And throughout this this whole scenario, we see God's hidden sovereign hand working throughout all of it. We see him as he prospers within Potiphar's household. Of making his way up as a servant into being like the overseer of everything that Potiphar has. Like it's a pretty influential role that that Joseph steps into because the Lord was with him and present and did not forsake him. Um, In Deuteronomy 31, 8, this is how the Lord speaks to his people. He says, The Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you, he will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. We, we get this picture of God's love towards Joseph, but also ourselves. That even in the midst of troubling time, we were able to see how abundant God's love and loyalty is to us. That he blesses even those beyond, like he, he blesses all of Potiphar's household. Like it's not that he just blesses Joseph. He makes everything prosper because that's how abundantly loving that he is. And so it kind of begs the question, how do, how do we respond to God's loyal love in all of this? If this is how God treats those in which he's in relationship with, if he's going to remain steadfast and loyal towards his people, what is, what is our response? Um, so the second half of verse 6, it says this, Now Joseph was a handsome, was a handsome man in, in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. or to be with her. So what we learned is that jo- Joseph is a, he's a good looking guy. Uh, in Potiphar's wife's mind, he's looking like a snack and she's like, my love is not blind <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out, like, they're not just laying down, I always say that. Uh, but, she, but she continually attempts to do this to Joseph, like day in and day out, like repeatedly tempting Joseph. Um, I always thought this was like a really funny picture. Like, it, it, uh, it's like very memeable in my mind. Uh, like for those of you that are studying for finals, you know how it is, like Netflix, Instagram. Even like cleaning your room is somehow a distraction that you're willing to do when it's, not final, like when it's final season. Um, and then there's another one. Yeah, so, but the, the point stands is that she, she, she continually tries to attempt to seduce him, like repeatedly, day in, day out. But what, what we need to understand is that like, he wasn't worried about her, her efforts to seduce him. He was more so concerned about his fidelity towards God. So, like jokes aside, I, I know it was maybe a little bit much to try and make light of that. But his greatest concern is like, how how can I sin against God in this moment? If this is how God has been loyal to me, how, how can I go and just like throw throw it to the, like whatever and just like not care? His greatest concern is how how can I be loyal to the God that has been loyal to me? And that that is what I I hope that our our effort would be is that we would be loyal to the God that has been loyal to us. That we re- remain obedient to God because of who he is, because like God, God doesn't lack anything. Like he doesn't need things from us. Like God is complete, but because of who God is, he desires for us to be in a relationship with him and to walk humbly before him and, and to, to do what he sets out before us because it's actually the best thing for us because that's actually what leads to a flourishing life. Had had Joseph succumbed to his temptation, like yeah, that may have been great in the moment. But what he actually knows is I, I can't sin against God because God has been loyal to me. Even though I'm in this, this hardship and in this tough moment, I can stand before God and trust that he's loyal to me and I will remain loyal to him. And I think that's often where our misconception is. We we make it so much about God's love towards us because we hear songs like Jesus loves me, this I know. But we replace the last part of this before the Bible tells me so, and it's because of all the things I do and show. And so we need to get out of that mindset of, like, Jesus loves me, this I know, because of all the things I do and show. Jesus loves you because he is, like, God is love himself. Like, that is a part of his essence and his character to, to the core, to the, the fullest. And out of that, his desire is for you to be loyal in love to him. Um, as Jesus is talking to his disciples before um, he's to go and be crucified, uh, leading up to that, uh, he says this to them. He says, "Greater love has none, no one, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends." And he says, "You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends." What a, what a beautiful picture of the way that God sees us, that we are considered his friend. And so similar, like, in, in this moment for Joseph, he, he is a slave, he is a servant, but he trusts that he is a friend of God. And it is his desire to respond loyally and faithfully to the God that loves him loyally and faithfully. How do, how do we know that, that it's true? Is because we can trust that we have God's spirit if we trust in Christ. That God's actual presence can be with us because that's what he promises. As, as Jesus continues on in that conversation with his disciples, he says, it's better for me to go away because I'm going to send an advocate. I'm going to send my helper. I'm going to send the spirit to be with you. Like that is, that is a present reality for us now today is that we have God's presence with us. Regardless of the circumstance that you are working through, regardless of what is going on in your life, God's presence is with you and near to you, and you can call upon his presence. His desire is for us to remain loyal to him by keeping his commands, because he is loyal to us. But not only is his love loyal, it is is one that is lasting. Um, So as we continue on in this story, uh, we'll pick back up in, in verse 11. It says, but one day when he went out into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, see, he has brought among, among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that, I lifted up my voice and cried out. He left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid um, up the garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you've brought among us came in to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the words of his wife, The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. So even though that Joseph has remained loyal to God, we see that it actually gets him done dirty in the end. Like he, he is faith like faithful and faith yeah, faithful and, and blameless before God, and yet we see his his predicament get even worse. From, from being sold into slavery to kind of working his way back up into like a pretty substantial position only to be slandered by Potiphar's wife to say like, look what he tried to do. He tried to like, he tried to rape me. Here's his cloak. I have it, here's the proof. And all of a sudden he, he ends up in prison now. So when things seem to have gotten better, they get entirely worse for Joseph. Her, her slander ends up sending him to the slammer and if we, if, we're, if we follow with the rest of Joseph's story, he's actually in jail for, for two years for sure. But it's not until he's 30 that he gets out into like working with Pharaoh and being his advisor. So like his whole young adult lifespan of like 17 to 30, there's this massive roller coaster. So there's, there's no young adults for him. There's no float fest. There's no community groups, there's no NY on Friday nights for him, like, there's nothing, like, it's a terrible reality for him. I think, like Joseph, many of us endure hard things in life. Um, I know that's a reality because I, I chat with a lot of you on a regular basis, and I get to know your stories, and I get to know the things that you're working through. Um, I also get emails as part of being on staff here. I I get to see the things that people work through here at Northview Church, like regular congregants and and what they pray for and what hardships have have fallen them in life. And to be honest, it's it's hard because a lot of you guys, even in this room, are are dealing with difficult things in this very moment. Maybe it's relational strife or you're just like, I just don't know what to do with this relationship. Maybe it's like a family member that is, is dealing with a health battle. Maybe it's you yourself that are in a particular um, flux with your health. And you're just like, what, what is happening? And I think it's often that our circumstances and our experiences that dictate how we view God. And in, in doing so, we start, to, we start to paint a portrait of who God is based on our experiences and the things that we work through. Um, Several years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Rome. And as part of that, um, I got to visit the the Vatican and I was able to see the Sistine Chapel, sorry. Um, And if you're familiar with the Sistine Chapel, it has this like massive, um, like I think it's 137 feet this this massive like fresco on the ceiling that Michelangelo painted. You're not allowed to take pictures, but here's a picture off the internet, um, cropped for just good stuff, you know. Uh, but but for many, like the focal point of Michelangelo's masterpiece is this right here, like this picture of of God reaching out to his creation. And it's like a a completely ah uh, like awe-inspiring, and breathtaking piece of artwork. But like sadly, it's just one person's interpretation of God. And just like Michelangelo, I think we are prone to kind of fabricate and to have our own interpretations of God the Father. We tend to project our own ideas onto who God is or how he should behave, or, or our instinct is that God can be vindictive or he is out to get us or he is just like ready to catch us in our sin. But the beautiful reality is that our God does not leave us guessing. God doesn't just leave it up to chance for us to be like, mm, I don't know how, like, who is God? God has revealed himself and provides us with his own self-portrait. And we need to be reminded that our, our circumstances, that whatever we are, are working through, whatever that life ha- has thrown our way, that they're not indicative of God's love towards us in Jesus Christ. That the things that are happening in our life, they, are, they do not represent God's love towards us. How do we know this? Because that as we read in this passage, we see that while Joseph was in prison, as he is in the dumps even further than what he first began, it says that God was with him and showed him steadfast love. This word, steadfast love, it, it crops up all throughout scripture. It's a word that we have a really hard time translating. Uh, the, the Hebrew word for it is hesed. There's maybe a little bit more of an accent on it if you were to actually say it in Hebrew, but the point is it's a hard word for us to interpret, but often the, the idea behind it is this, this thought of loving kindness or love or generosity, of mercy, of enduring commitment. Of deep personal care. This is what this steadfast love that God exhibits to to Joseph in this moment. So not only is it a loyal love, but it's it's a lasting love, and it, and it spans across any sort of predicament or circumstance that we find ourselves in. It's not fleeting. It's not temporary. It's a forever kind of love. So what do we do with this? I. I the scriptures tell us in Psalm 107 that we were actually supposed to, to contemplate and consider the steadfast love of the Lord. To actually like stew upon it, not just to like read that sentence and say, okay, st- steadfast love of the Lord, but actually like think about what that means for you in your everyday life. To consider how God has been with you throughout your life. To take stock of what have, what have I been through? Where has the Lord been in those moments? Even when it feels like dark and trying, and I'm just like, God, where are you? Reflect back on your life and see, God, where have you been with me in in my steps, in my moments, in my days, in my my darkness? Ponder who your God is and the fact that his love endures forever. He is an eternal God, so therefore his love will be eternal. I, I think there's reason in Psalm 136 that it restates that his steadfast love endures forever 27 times. Like usually we just repeat something if we want someone to get the point. But 27 times it says his love endures forever. We're, he's trying to convey something to us. He's not having us guess and try and paint, God, who are you? He's a, love, he's a God that loves us. But it's too often that we are thwarted by this word if. If this is happening to me, does God really love me? And I know that's really hard in the moment sometimes as we go through difficult things, but if we can shift it and drop the if and have it because God loves me, why is this happening to me? To actually ponder what is, what is God doing in that particular moment? What is, what is he building within you? How is he using the spirit to sanctify you and to change you and to mold you more into the image of Christ? Or those that are around you as they watch you go through that thing and as you serve and as you worship. So we need to drop the if. How do we trust that? Because the love that is evidenced within the cross. Romans 5, eight says this, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And in 1 John 3, 16, not John three sixteen, but 1 John three sixteen it says, by this we know love that he laid down his life for us. What a promise that we have. The fact that God would reach out to us, that his lasting love would be one that initiates towards us. And that as we reflect on this past weekend of Easter and what it represents for us, the fact that our God went to the cross for us, that we would not have to pay the penalty of our own sin, but that we would be able to experience his love forever should mean a lot to us. It should impact us deeply and change the way that we live and the way that we endure the things that we experience so that we can be reminded and we can drop the if and we can be reminded that because God loves me, he sent his own son to the cross to express that love. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us. There are so many reminders within scripture and so that's why I think I'm just pressing this point home. Um, Romans 8, 35 and 37 through 39 says this. Because often I think that we doubt who shall separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Should any of those things, any physical means or things that are taking place in our life, should any of those things separate us from the love of Christ? What is Paul's response to that? He says No. No, to any of those things. No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it is with that that we are reminded of our God and what he has done for us and his steadfast love. That nothing will ever separate us from his enduring love, if, for those of you that are in Christ Jesus. This is what my hope is for us as a young adults community, um, is that we are able to endure through hard times in moments of calamity like Joseph, when he is ready to like, his situation is sucky beyond belief, from bad to worse, and yet he remains loyal to his God. And God remains loyal to him and continues to show him love. And I, and I think the interesting thing is how Joseph, as, as, we, as you close out Genesis, how he actually responds to his brothers when they're like, oh man, how did this, how did this actually all like play out, Joseph? Like, what, what is going on here? And his response is this. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Like throughout the rest of Joseph's life, you see God's hand working. You continue to see his steadfast love exhibited towards Joseph. Sure, he's in prison for another 13 years, but he eventually becomes second in command and is a large reason as to why the people are able to prosper because the Lord has worked through him and continues to show him steadfast love even in the midst of hard circumstances. And his response is, what you meant for evil, God has made for good. And so when we come across these hard moments in these circumstances in our life, may that be something that we're able to remember as well. That God works all things for the good of those who love him and for his glory. Um, I imagine that there will be many friendships and relationships that you guys have throughout life, there will be many things that come your way that make you question is God really loving but my prayer and my hope is that you would understand the height and the depth and the breadth of God's love for you because of what he has done and what's exemplified in the cross but also in the spirit in which he gives us and that we'd be able to confidently proclaim that his love endures forever let me pray for you guys. Father, thank you for who you are. Um, thank you that you are a loving God. Um, a God that is, is steadfast and loyal and caring and um, initiates. A, a God that has made a way for us to, to, to know you. That we aren't off on our own. Our own desires or adventure to try and figure out and piece it together, but you have revealed yourself to us in a, in a clear manner that we can build a firm foundation upon. So, Father, I, I pray that we would trust you, um, that we would know your character and, and see it to be good and faithful and loving and merciful and gracious, and all those things are, are combined together. They're not separate, but that they're all lumped together in your character. Father, help us to see you rightly, help us to understand and help us to endure the things that we are working through. Help us to, to trust and know that you are a God that is just beyond our comprehension and that your love endures forever. I oh, pray these things in your son's name.